Welcome to the only Dream Big podcast, starring your host Donnie Bedney. Donnie is the president of PSP Metrics and has been in the assessment and human capital management industry for more than 15 years. Get ready as Donnie, together with industry experts, share how you can create better workplaces, improve employee experiences, and ultimately drive change through people. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, and welcome to another episode of the Only Dream Big Pod. I am your host, Donnie Bedney, uh, and I am so excited, so, so excited to have Monica Cost with us today. Uh, Monica is the president of the Core Value Company, uh, and we got a chance just in our pre-brief uh, meeting kind of leading up to this. I have followed her uh, on social and some other platforms and just know that she is going to be dropping some gems uh, for you all today. Uh, Monica, thank you so much for agreeing to be uh, a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I can't. I'm looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> so, so I mean, just start us off. It, you know, obviously, we're in a very unique time, but just would love to give folks a little bit more of your background. You know, what led you to actually start the Core Value Company? It was a journey, like most people who have companies. I started off, when I was a child, I was the rule follower. So I was the one that that was always expected to say please and thank you, to dress appropriately, to get good grades. And whenever I would try to be mischievous like the other kids, you know, the adults would be like, no, Monica, you know better than that. And they would sort of put me back on the right path, whatever that is. So fast forward, you know, I had this life that was really built on other people's expectations, but because those expectations were quote unquote, the good societal expectations, I just sort of kept going along. Well, what happened was after I built this amazing life on paper, and it was amazing, I woke up one day around the age of 35 and I had this unfulfilling feeling in the pit of my belly and I couldn't quite identify what it was. What I figured out was that despite all of the having this job that I that was high visibility, being married to this wonderful man, having these children, going on great vacations. Mm-hmm. What was missing was the value alignment. So what mm-hmm. I discovered was that I actually had never understood what my personal protocol or my personal process looks like. What is, what's the value system that's unique to me? Mm-hmm. I did a deep dive. I identified five to seven values I started executing in terms of changing my life to align with those particular values. And Mm -hmm. from that came this body of work, a book and more teachings. And when I thought about when I started talking to people about it, I also realized that most people that Mm -hmm. I talk to have no idea what their core values are, because at what point in our lives do we have an opportunity to stop to think is what I was taught or are my belief systems aligned? Like where where do I exist? How do I locate myself? So sure. then I use that to create workshops for corporations, for individuals, I wrote a book, and it went on from there. Man, so it, you know, I, I I referenced this, but obviously we're living through an amazingly exciting time right now, right? Uh, I I personally believe that we are living through a black swan event. Right. Catalyzed by first global pandemic, God willing, uh, the last uh, in the in the past uh, 100 years. 
um, and also a significant amount of social unrest here in the U.S., right? Um, and one of the things that I, I, I've said, which is, I, I think, it just aligns so perfectly with your expertise and want to hear more about this, is there's been a significant shift in values, funny enough, um, for a lot of folks. And I think that there appears to be, uh, a, it, it's not even a gap, but almost a chasm in understanding from an organizational level. So organizations understanding that there has fundamentally been a shift with their team members, right? And so folks aren't having to commute an hour and a half or three hours a day. They're able to spend time with their with their loved ones more. Um, and, and yet we have kind of folks saying, hey, we need our downtowns filled. Uh, and that's rubbing up against other folks who are like, look, we may never go back to the office. Maybe it's hybrid or otherwise, but just seems like such a unique time for for an amazing uh, expertise and offering like you have as folks are attempting to kind of discover what their values actually are and then potentially bridging those. So can you, can you, I guess, begin to unpack a little bit like how folks can one or maybe how organizations or people who lead organizations, you know, begin to potentially reframe their values because we, we're kind of at a new, you know, an opportunity to just completely start from scratch, relatively speaking, potentially. Uh, and how can how can they then bridge that gap to potentially shifted values of their team members so that they can continue to, you know, build competitive companies and, and grow and hit all their, you know, performance goals, et cetera? That is a big, big question. <laughs> We're on the only dream big show. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So appropriate. The thing with core values for organizations specifically is that I think when the company started, they meant them. I think what gets lost oftentimes is the defining of those values for the people who live in the or I mean, who work in the organization. So if I see creativity on the wall as a value and then I join the organization and I'm thinking of all these different ways we can do things better and I keep getting the, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, this process seems to work. Well, now I'm questioning, is that really a value within mm. this organization? But, but no one ever told me what they meant by creativity. I applied my own definition to it. So I think one of the first steps organizations have to do is revisit the values on the wall, define them, and then make sure that the organization has a common language. Mm. Now you take the fact that you're bringing in individuals who have a variety of different what I call core value filters, right? Your value filter may be excellence, communica uh, communication, vision, uh, connectedness, whatever. My values may be creativity, open-mindedness, knowledge, right? So when we come together and we try to work, we may have two or three values that actually create what I call value confrontations. Mm. If my core values end up creating uh, value confrontations for the organization, if I don't have understanding, I can't really address it. Mm. I, I wrote an article one time about how good employees turn bad. Mm. And, you know, when you first start a job, you're really excited. You can't wait. You're eager, baby. You'll do everything. About six to eight months later, sometimes those very employees all of a sudden turn into the bad apples, so to speak. Wow. They are less motivated. They're disenfranchised. And what happened 
is oftentimes they've been experiencing these value confrontations, but without an understanding. Got it. And one of the things I say is that without understanding, we then often have an emotional reaction. When we have understanding, we can have a strategic response, right? Got it. If I yep. take something personally, I'm emotional about it. If I understand it, then I say, well, let me look at this. How can I address this? How can I unpack it? So organizations, I believe, have to start considering people's personal core values and, and, organi- and people as they join these wow. organizations to see if they actually match. So yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of work, but it can be done. And yeah. Um, and I've seen some companies attempt to, you know, start pilot programs. It's a difficult thing to do the whole company at once. Sure, 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 sure. Well, I mean, so so we love talking about, you know, uh, big challenges just as much as we love sharing kind of, you know, big solutions and, and aspirational solutions. What's kind of the first, what's one of the first steps? Just thinking about like practical and pragmatic you know, kind of pieces, how do you even go about that, right? Because I'm imagining, you know, plenty of organizations that I've worked for or consulted for in my life and probably even just our society, right, um, has really created uh, more blanket solutions. And it sounds like what you're talking about is a lot more individualized. Mm -hmm. Um, And so how do do you even begin, like, going down that road, um, you know, it, for a smaller organization of maybe a hundred people or so, maybe that's something a leader could, you know, go to every single person and have a one-on-one meeting about what their core values are. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as obviously, as you get a little bit larger, it gets a little bit more complex. So what, what's a, what's a first step or kind of, you know, discovery. I know you mentioned pilot programs, uh, that, that folks are tending to do for organizations. For organizations, I think it is getting a bead on what, how your managers are defining your values. So let's, do they even know them? Like, let's start there. You send out a very, you know, a mandatory uh, survey where you have to write about what you think that means in, uh, in this organization and give me some examples of when, where you see it playing out. Got it. Sure. Now, potentially a lot of the managers, executives may come back and, they don't really have a lot of examples. Well, is that still a core value for us? If we're not sure. living it out, maybe that's not a value that we actually hold anymore. Maybe mm. the values need to be adjusted. So that's that's the first thing is making sure that everyone's on the same page. Okay. The other piece is there has to be obviously some person or body of people who decide what it means for the organization to live out this value. And then once that's defined, you got to try it on for size. So you have to go to the various departments and managers and see, is this happening within our organizations? Are we living this out? And what does it look like when we do? Okay. And then the second piece is there is a process that individuals can go through, uh, which we talked a little bit about the value identification process, which starts with your pet peeves. So it starts with understanding the things that evoke a visceral emotional response from you, right? If you've ever had a friend to come tell you something and they are seething and you're thinking at the end of the story, you want, you're waiting for the thing to be upset at. And at the end you go, I I don't get it. Yeah. Well, that's because they experienced a value confrontation, but you did it because it's not your button. So we don't agree. If we don't understand our buttons, then we're having these value confrontations without understanding. And then it just wreaks havoc for human resources within organizations. (laughs) 
<laughs> and and it and it really sounds like uh, and and I, let me know if you'd agree with this, but it it really sounds like you know when I think about values, you know, and and this whole big thing right now, it doesn't really seem like it it's just an HR issue, right? It it frankly, I think it 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 feels like a business imperative uh, and potentially a competitive advantage for organizations, leaders, and individuals who are willing to address this uh, and explore what those values are more. Would you, you know, would you agree? Is that, you know, talk, talk us through that a little bit. 100%. And I think companies like Google, Apple, the more creative uh, organizations that have mounds and mounds of data and have a very good understanding around what they're after, whether it be innovation, whether it be data, what is the thing that's driving it? And then how are we going to get there? And who are the types of people that can get us there? Which is why a lot of times you go into certain organizations like that, of course, not across the board. And you start to notice that there's a similar way that people operate and people who can't operate, don't operate in ways that, align or similar or benefit the organization ultimately end up either self-selecting out or getting getting managed out but that's not always a bad thing uh, when that happens right i think people see it that way oh my god i've lost a job but in reality you might have dodged a bullet because now you have an opportunity to um you have an opportunity to go somewhere that more aligns with who you are yeah yeah Oh man, um, this is such an important conversation. So, it, you know, so with that, and you, you mentioned uh, a few organizations that have a lot of data and you know all of these things. Um, it, for what you're seeing from a values perspective, right? So, it, we know that we live in an information age. Uh, everybody's collecting data. Uh, I'm I'm not convinced personally that everyone knows why. Um, but they're, they're told that they should. And so every organization does, um, what are some indicators, at least from a performance perspective, um, you know, that, that managers, leaders, individuals, et cetera, could, you know, could begin to look at, um, as they're even evaluating whether or not their organization say, uh, has alignment, right. So whether the organization's values are aligning with, um, you know, the individual uh, or team members, you know, values. Are there, are there some specific like performance metrics and stuff that folks can think about um, or begin to monitor uh, to even know that? I think you get to see when you do employee satisfaction surveys, okay. that is an indicator the, of the symptoms, but okay. it's not all, it doesn't always tell you what, what the, where the root of it is. Okay. So when you dig a little bit deeper and you start to have people give examples of the types of processes and behaviors within an organization that just don't sit well with them or make them not feel like coming to work, then if that individual identifies their core values, most likely what they're going to find is those behaviors that are Mm -hmm. happening within the company somehow create that value confrontation for them. So employee satisfaction surveys are a great way to begin, but you have to let people do the individual work and be able to say, ah, I I see that. The reason why this bothers me when 
my manager makes decisions about what's going to happen to the team and doesn't consider me because maybe yeah. I feel realize I really value consideration. Mm. So someone else on my team may not value it in the same way that I do. So when people make changes that affect me and they don't consider me in it, that yeah. could create an emotional reaction for me. Right. Okay. So okay. when I have understanding of that, then I can communicate it. And then if everybody in an organization had the same language, mm -hmm. then you could say to your manager, the reason why whatever I have poor performance or I haven't really been engaged in my job is because yeah. these processes are creating a value confrontation. And then you can have a conversation about it at least to see yeah. if there's a way to get around it. So, I mean, we, we mentioned your philosophy and value confrontations and, and all of those things. And you also mentioned kind of common language. So it may be a leading question, um, you know, in this way. But, it, you know, is there a, uh, a framework, um, you know, a, a, a glossary of terms? Um, you know, it, it, uh, you're one of the, the few experts that I've, you know, found kind of in these topics. And so... How do you even how does an organization, you know, even begin or individuals begin to kind of find that framework of common language? Uh, because it just it, it appears that like from a values perspective, it, as I'm thinking through kind of like an executive lens, sometimes it feels a little soft, right? A little fluffy. Um, and, you know, it, you've referenced a number of values and, and obviously have coached a, a bunch of people. But. You know, how do we get on the same page if I'm saying, I don't know, randomly, but like my my values are family, freedom, and faith, mm -hmm. right? But organizationally, they're like, oh, you know, our values are innovation, creativity, and accountability. Mm -hmm. um, and those feel arguably not even in the same ballpark. Right. So, so how do how do how do we help them kind of get on the same page? So the way I think about values has more to do with a preferred mode of operating than mm -hmm. a fit. So family and faith, faith might be in there as a value for sure, but not as a spiritual thing per se only. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So right, family to me is a priority. Mm -hmm. uh, a value might be connectedness. And in that, okay. the reason why you like spending so much time with your family is because you like feeling connected. Okay. So, you know, your values don't just operate in one aspect of your life. They cross mm -hmm. all the aspects, which is how you know it's really a value. Sure. If a person has a value or two or three mm -hmm. that doesn't align with the core, at least how the organization lives out their values, yeah. then they have decisions to make because your values, which is a longer conversation, but your values don't change. Your priorities change and your belief systems change. But once you identify your core values and you start to look at your life to this point, you'll realize that they've always been your values, but you may have gotten lost along the way because of societal expectations and urgings and mm. external influences that say this is what's right and this is what's better and this is what you should do and this is how you should behave. But in yeah. reality, that core, when we live from that space and place, it it's not only authentic, but you walk this earth more confidently. Mm. And then you can have more, again, going back to not having as many emotional reactions, but more strategic responses mm -hmm. just creates a better culture. 
yeah. or organizations. So, so correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but this feels like an amazing opportunity uh, to talk about uh, how you went about really. Uh, I'll say creating your value identification process. Um, uh, it, it, does it go by VIP? Is that, is that fair or is it? Okay. It goes uh, by VIP, but obviously I have to say the name every time because of we think very important person. <laughs> <laughs> Which you are, you're on the only big dream big pod. So we're, we're right. excited for that, but would love to hear about that value identification process some more. Cause it just feels like it, you've unpacked so many things for us. And as we continue to go down, uh, it just feels like that we're getting to kind of this granular moment where I'm sure that's kind of on people's minds a little bit more. The value identification process was, it's not a, a click, 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 click. Here's your answer, right? So a lot of people like those online personality tests, or if you answer yeah. 120 questions, it'll come out, spit out this four letter, whatever. Yeah. The value identification process has to begin with you understanding where your points of pain are in every area, yeah. aesthetically, professionally, relationally, spiritually, financially, parentally, if it if it applies yeah. to you. Okay. And you start to look at it could be, you know, I'll take this out of work for a second. It could be that you're a parent. Yep. And every time you go to your kids' schools, you're just so you get you they're gonna ask, is your child reading yet? Or did they say and so you feel this need to posture because you that that's a point of pain. So instead of finding a way to be authentic in that space and to have identified, well, you know what? I value, I don't know, authenticity and, or transparency in that yep. space. You don't have to posture anymore, but you're doing what society expects you to do. Got so it. you, you want to look financially. It might be that you live into your paycheck. And that you don't have as many options as you thought you'd have. Yeah. Well, if you find out like me that you value options and variety, but yet you're spending your money in a way that doesn't leave you any options or, mm. you know, or, or ways to, to do other things, then you're yeah. creating your own value confrontations. But you don't know that unless you take a look. Yeah. So that's step one is to identify your points of pain. And then the second is to figure out what about your process Mm -hmm. is creating those points of pain and then ask yourself what would happen if I disengaged or what would happen if I stopped or what or what would be a better situation for me here so you start to unravel all of those things I actually from a video I put up on TikTok that got a lot of, uh, of views last summer I ended up creating an online class shameless plug on Thinkific that actually takes people to six you do it at your own pace but it's six weeks and you um, can, it takes you through the value identification process so that you can yeah. identify those values. And then the biggest thing is to try them on for size. So once you identify yeah. your top seven values, then you yeah. want to go live okay. so that when you experience these value confrontations, you want to be able to look at your core values and say, ah, that's the yeah. value confrontation for that. And if you find that you thought it was thoughtfulness, but it's really kindness. Then you tweak it. And then once you get them, you'll find that just in every area of your life, it starts to line up because you're now lining up intentionally who you are with where you should be instead of trying to become what they need in the environments that you end up in. 
That is perfect. I mean, we, we, uh, thank you for, for sharing that. We will, uh, make sure to kind of put a link, uh, to that TikTok video, uh, at least so folks can, uh, in, in like the show notes and some other things that we can connect to this recording. Uh, cause I'm sure folks will want to, you know, go. Uh, there's plenty of people on TikTok. I know it's, uh, pretty addictive. Uh, I, I, it is not currently on my phone. Um, it's, a, it's just, well, I mean, I, I had it on my phone. Let's be clear. I removed it, um, because of like, I, I need to remain focused, but, um, used to scroll at least while I'm on flights and stuff like that. So, um, that is amazing. Um, one more thing, because you, you, you use this word and, and I wanted us to, you know, circle back around on this, but it, you mentioned, I believe one of my core values, although I haven't been through the exercise yet, uh, is authenticity, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I love to be able to show up as my authentic self, um, you know, in every single aspect of my life. And, it, and it's something that I attempt to, from from uh, kind of the, the process that I go through in the morning, uh, you know, and everything from my quiet time to working out uh, and some other things that, that are kind of my, my process, uh, that is all based on, me wanting to show up as my authentic self in every aspect of my life, um, you know, kind of throughout the day on the, sh- on the show, uh, running my company with clients, with my, uh, my daughter, my wife, um, you know, et cetera. And so can, can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, your book and, and, and your experience and, uh, some tips on how folks can live their authentic life? Yes, it's um, one of the examples that I give in these classes was when my now 17 year old was six years old, they had a kindergarten graduation, which is hysterical. And in the graduation, the head of the school asked each child, what do you want to be when you grow up as Mm. he or she crossed the stage as if they know it's six, but okay. So the first child came across the stage and the director said, you know, what do you like to be when you grow up? And he said, I want to be a teacher. And all the parents, oh, that's so sweet. That's so sweet. Next child came, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, I want to be a firefighter. Oh, oh so sweet. Right? And the next child came across the stage. He said, sweetheart, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, I want to be a doctor. And the room erupted with applause. Why do we do that to children? Oh, man. Yeah. So what do you think the teacher and the firefighter said the next time someone asked them what they wanted to be? Oh, definitely a doctor. A doctor, right? So from a very young age, we get these cues on where the applause is. What Mm -hmm. good girl, good boy, Mm -hmm. good, good, good. This is better. Don't do that. This is worse. And unfortunately, it quiets our own voice and Mm. it doesn't allow us to hear ourselves. And then when we do, we suppress it because it's not in line with where the applause is. Mm. Mm -hmm. So once I started looking at how I got to where I was in life and some of the influences of that, I had to dial down and dial back. And again, look at those points of pain. And I just started writing about it. I used to have really long black hair and I've been graying since I was 21. And there was a time where I would blow dry my hair, blow dry my hair. And by the end of finishing my hair, I'd be angry. And I'm thinking, well, why do you have long hair? Who's that for? It was for the community because long hair got more praise. Got it. So I kept long hair. But then 
Then I was looking at my finances. Then I even looked at my spirituality. Am I regurgitating things that I really believe or am I just talking? Mm. I looked at how I was parenting. I looked at my profession. Was it? And after I went through that process, I wrote about it. And in it, I give some analogies yeah. that talk about what it means to not know and live by your core values. Yeah. And it, it started to resonate with people. Yeah. And what it let you know was that if you're in environments where you are value misaligned, mm -hmm. you constantly feel like something's wrong with you. Yeah. But once you have understanding about your values and how you live, then again, you start to dial the volume down on some of those relationships and you start to find others yeah. where you actually fit. So that's really what the book is about is it gives mm -hmm. my personal journey, mm -hmm. but also some how to's with a, a test in there on how to identify your values and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that man, uh, so happy you got to share that. And, and I very unashamedly will plug that, you know, folks, if you can get a copy of that, uh, I, I just think that there are so many folks who need to do that, including myself, uh, you know, frankly. And so I just think it's, it's a great exercise you know, um, you know, for folks to go through, um, any recommendations, by the way, I know we're, I know we're winding down now in our conversation. I, I clearly, we could talk for hours, <laughs> uh, or at least I could listen for hours. Um, you know, it, it, any recommendations for like frequency, right. And, and how do you, how often do you potentially revisit, you know, your values or is it only like at extreme times or, you know, it, any advice on that? What starts to happen when you identify your core values and, and you get it right? So, you know, again, you have to go try it on for size and come back. And eventually sure. you're going to have them. But slowly but surely what starts to happen is that you start to align your existence with those core values. And you don't mm. have to revisit them anymore. You, it becomes it. like riding a bike. When I experience a value confrontation, I know exactly what it is. And then I have to decide if there's anything I'm going to do about it or how I'm going to address it. But I don't have the same emotional upheaval. You know, mm. one of the analogies I use is, you know, how physical trainers will tell you that your core, um, strengthening your core will help yeah. you with your physical stability. Absolutely. Well, strengthening your core values will help you with your mental stability because Ooh. you're going to have way less highs and lows. You're going to be able to regulate yourself so much better than before you knew them oh man gems ladies and gentlemen um <laughs> that was a bar to uh amazing amazing bar um we may need to make a reel out of that or something uh <laughs> um you know just it, it, as we close monica one just thank you so much um you know for for coming and spending a little time with me um, you know, in the audience and stuff here at the Only Dream Big Pod. But, you know, as 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 we're winding down, you know, what's kind of, you know, say one piece of advice uh, that you could give folks, um, you know, based on the topics, um, you know, that, that we're talking about? And maybe maybe you can give two technically pieces of advice. So one to the individual, right, and, and the folks who, you know, literally can just action steps that uh, individuals can take. Uh, but then also, as we think about leaders of organizations, because we, we did talk about that, you know, what's what's a piece of advice that that they can take really coming out of this conversation today? Hmm. I would say for individuals, 
if you're taking things personally all the time, then you are way off on having identified and understood your core values. Because what's happening is you've developed a sensitivity, right? It's what, what they have a saying in the South, a, a hit dog, a holler. My friend makes fun of me because that's not how they pronounce it in the South, but mm-hmm. a hit dog will holler. I get it. If it doesn't apply to you, you won't have a visceral emotional response. It'll just be something someone said. It doesn't mean that it's not offensive to someone, but you can examine it and you can have a discussion about it because it didn't it didn't land on you because it didn't apply. So if you find mm. yourself taking things personally, and this applies to entrepreneurs as well as professionals, when you're going, you know, I would say when I launch my business, it's like you yeah. you don't want people to think your baby's ugly, right? Oh yeah. So when they when they don't like what you're offering, if you're offended, that's a, a look that we have to take on the inside. In terms of managers, the change has to start within. For executives, for CEOs, I believe that everyone should start with the foundation of their own personal core values because Mm -hmm. it infiltrates and it gets into everything that we do. We bring it along with us. We bring Mm -hmm. that filter with us. And it's why you can have a company with so many different cultures within it because you have all these core values that are playing out from the top to, you know, to the, the professional. Sure. So I say identify your core values, understand the organizational core values, and then help people understand how they fit together. Yeah. Yeah. Monica Cost, oh man, really, if, if you can find time uh, <laughs> in your schedule, there, there are so many other things that I'd love to unpack uh, with you at some point. Absolutely. Uh, but thank you so, so much uh, for visiting us here, uh, you know, on the Only Dream Big Pod. You know, thank you, everyone, to all of our listeners. Uh, and we will see you next week. See ya.